Okay, a little mic check never hurt anybody. A little mic check never hurt. I don't know. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome back to The Bear and the Swan. My name is John. My name is Erin. And this is our biannual podcast. Biannual podcast. We don't even need to touch on it because it's literally all we talk about on this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Is how infrequent it is. Yes. um, It's becoming our personality traits. Yes, and I I know we said we weren't going to talk about it, but I do want to make a confession that we recorded an episode. We did. And I didn't put it out because I'm going to be honest, it was not good at all i listened back to the conversation you were great i don't know what the heck i was talking about and so i apologize we just weren't on you know yeah you went some you lose not all of them are bangers um but hopefully today is i don't know the pressure's on now pressure's on also the pressure's the timer's on because flory's having a bottle right now next next to to us (laughs) and i'm i'm gonna tell you that once that bottle runs dry she's no longer gonna remain quiet (laughs) No, she'll probably be talking, but like, it's kind of (laughs) cute. I don't know. Maybe we just think it's cute. Okay. Well, we don't have to do any preamble or anything. We can just get right into our conversation. Okay. Yeah. I I can't stand those podcasts that like, oh, I love it. Talk for 45 minutes about stuff. Oh my gosh. I do because I'm just, I think that's the reason I like like vlogs and certain tiktokers that are like just their normal life especially moms lately like i just i'm interested in people's everyday like boring stuff Mm. which i get a lot of people aren't but i do think that's the reason why vlogs are so popular like i don't actually need you to do anything in the vlog like i'm just interested in like what your day looks like yeah i guess it depends on the podcast for me if it's a podcast where i have really the reason I listen to it is because I like the host. You like the host, and I'm interested yeah. in them. Then, yes, please do your banter. Talk about what you're doing in your personal life. Do yeah. all of that stuff. It's when I'm really only listening to the thing because I'm interested in the guest. You're interested, or in the guest, I'm interested or in, in like, the topic, and yeah. I want them to get to the the thing that they put in the title. Yeah. And first, I have to listen to 25 minutes about their cat. Yeah, I I'm feel like there are different types of podcasts too because there are certain ones that are more like business, like all business. Here's what it is about. Yeah. Here's what we're going to talk about. It's very like clean and crisp and very scripted out and stuff like that. But I like the more casual banter back and forth, especially like you said, if I'm interested in the hosts. Yes. Well, ironically, are I you said guys we're not going to do any banter. <laughs> and there we just went with two minutes of banter. So on to today's conversation. Sweet Bear, I thought that today, I've been wanting to do this for a little while. I thought that today we could have a conversation or another conversation. We haven't talked about this in a little bit. Around church Ooh. specifically. Ooh. Mostly because recently and really in the last year, um, there's been a bit of a theme both in our lives and I think in wider culture surrounding um, kind of the problematic nature mm-hmm. or or certain problematic pieces of church and specifically, you know, American Western Christianity and evangelicalism and, and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and there's been kind of some pillar pieces of content mm-hmm. surrounding those things. That's why I was like, ooh, because we've watched a lot lately that is like icky about the church in general (laughs) okay that's actually a great way to put it like is the church icky (laughs) um yeah there's and so i guess that's kind of the main question or maybe we'll we'll figure out what the main question we want to discuss here is but what sparked this in my mind were some of those main kind of pillar pieces of content in quote-unquote pop culture in the last 12 months are we going to go through them yeah yeah so um First, for me, what came on my radar was the book um, Jesus and John Wayne. Yeah. Which I read last year. This is a book written by Kristen Cobbs Dumez. Um, I think that's how you say her name. Um, she is a professor at Calvin University in Michigan. Um, and this is a book, a nonfiction book that came out in 2021, I believe, kind of all about western evangelicalism within the church within the political sphere sphere within culture and how those three kind of coalesce and combined mm-hmm. uh, over the course of the 21st century mm-hmm. uh fascinating book i read that do you think i would like that book 
I think you would. I think you'd find it fascinating. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in. I don't. I didn't know if it was too like. Um, what's the word? Um, academic for me. Um, I wouldn't. I th- I th- would encourage you to listen to it. Maybe. Yeah, that's a good it, idea. It's, it's kind of dense, like, and you don't you don't really like reading. I don't like reading dense nonfiction. Stuff. No nonfiction, and also, I don't know. As a mom, like, when do you read? It's a great question. I don't understand. It's a great question. <laughs> like I've been craving getting into a book again, but I'm like, um, when? Probably instead <laughs> of sleeping, I would imagine. I guess, but. Mm-mm. So that was kind of the first <laughs> pillar piece of content. Yeah. The the second one, which you and I have both engaged with, uh, not fully, yeah. but somewhat, is the rise and fall of Mars Hill. Yeah. The podcast from Christianity Today. Yeah. Does it? Um, all about, really, on the same topic of kind of you know evangelicalism in america but looking at it specifically through the lens of mark driscoll and mars hill mm-hmm. in seattle and yep. that movement in the you know late aughts and you know 2010s ish um, and how kind of driscoll and mars hill built this empire and then very quickly it crumbled uh that's more of a journalistic endeavor into it mm-hmm. uh whereas dumez's book is a bit more of a academic historical endeavor well, into it actually on the podcast yeah uh, yeah so that's where you start to see these things overlap obviously a lot of the subjects in the book are also covered mm-hmm. in the podcast we also listened to well I'll, I'll talk about the third what i guess i would consider the main pillar in this is the eyes of tammy Faye. yeah which is as I step back, I realize not an incredibly popular movie. I would imagine the majority of people listening to this podcast have not seen that yeah. film. Um, but that was another piece of content all about Tammy Faye and Jim Baker and their sort of rise, again, in the evangelical They're, sphere. Yeah, televangelists. Yeah. I, I knew nothing about them before. Like, John was familiar with them before, but I knew nothing about them. Yeah, televangelists through, I believe, the 70s, 80s, 90s. Yeah. Um, very, very successful but once again also deeply problematic in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways obviously the film is as the title would suggest told through the eyes of tammy faye the the tammy faye baker side of that equation played by jessica chastain in the movie incredibly we thought brilliantly yeah and then there were a few other pieces of content that we sort of ran across there was what was the podcast about uh falwell jr that we listened to? Oh, what was it yeah. What was it called? In God We Lust. In God We Lust. Was it by Wondery, I think? Wondery, I believe. Thank you, sis. Um, in also God very we Lust. good. Yeah, telling kind of the story of the scandal with Jerry Falwell Jr. and sort of a, an illicit sort of affair slash cuckolding situation that was happening uh, with a pool boy in Miami. It was honestly very scandalous. Like, I can't believe it's a real story. Quite scandalous. So all of that to say, the reason I kind of wanted us to talk about it on the podcast is because it feels very popular or trendy or even mainstream to create some kind of content, whether it be a book or a podcast or a movie or a TV show. We didn't even bring up Righteous Gemstones. Oh, yeah. to, To create some kind of pop culture content surrounding the... I'll say troubling nature of evangelicalism and American Christianity yeah. and the church and all the messiness that exists within that, that just, it feels like we're kind of going through a moment in our culture where there's a lot of stuff being pumped out about that. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, Oh, it might be nice for us to have a conversation about how we're engaging with that, how we're processing through kind of watching these things. Are we watching and engaging with these things? How is it, having an effect on our relationship to church mm-hmm. and the church and because we are both Christians and a product of a lot of those systems that are talked about in those and books. And you work at a church. <laughs> sometimes directly. I currently work at a church. And so we kind of have some skin in the game here. And so how are we as Christians or people of faith, followers of Jesus, how are we wrestling with kind of this yeah. moment and how's Honestly, it affecting us it so. feels like a lot of pressure to talk about because i don't want to like represent no something wrong or i so i'm just saying like a caveat that like we're going through it in real time yeah. of like processing these things and and i just i, I don't know i just want to say that to begin with like 
I'm not, I'm not saying this is the Jorgensen stance no. on all things church. You no, know what I mean? Because like, I don't even think I've necessarily, and we'll probably get to this. I don't think I've necessarily even landed on a stance. I don't think yeah. I could say definitively, here's, here's the side that I fall in terms of, of mm-hmm. church. It's as I hope we see in this conversation, it's extremely nuanced at yeah. this point. So maybe, maybe a good place to start is sort of our own personal background in church because very quickly there's some overlap with some of these pieces of content that have been brought out. (laughs) Yep. So yeah, why don't you start? So I grew up Catholic, um, come from a very big Irish Catholic family. So, you know, did all my sacraments, everything like that was raised in the Catholic church. And then probably late middle school, early high school, I started attending Willow Creek because a lot of my friends attended Willow and, um, you know, some of my friends, parents worked at Willow, so got involved with, and I know you did too, like the drama team for the kids ministry and did a lot of like performing on Sunday mornings for the kids and volunteering in that way. Um, and then also got involved in their high school ministry as well. Yeah. And it was a very similar kind of story for me, not with the Catholic background, but I grew up, I put in quotes, going to a Methodist church faith and church wasn't really an integral part of my family growing up at all. It was just sort of something that a, you know, middle-class white suburban family does. Um, And so we went, you know, once a month, twice a month, didn't really go in the summers, that whole deal. But yeah, it was through having some friends that we grew up with who were very connected at Willow. Um, As a young theater kid, the opportunity to do dramas there and the kids ministry, it was like, yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until later on, and I think this was true for you as well, in in high school and college, that Willow played such an integral role in kind of our, to use a church word, spiritual formation, Mm -hmm. um, and kind of us growing into our own faith. Yeah. Um, And from that point on, our journey with church was pretty much the same, because from that point on we were together together. and we were going to church together yeah Um, so then in college we went to a church in pittsburgh that was very similar to willow yeah in terms of like a multi-site mega non-denominational you know church yep and and kind of did the same we're we essentially it feels like throughout college throughout college and then post-college we were really just looking for Willow again. Yeah. Because it had meant so much to us. And it was familiar and yeah, it felt very approachable. Mm-hmm. And so we went to a lot of Willow type churches, whether it was in college or we moved to New York after college. Tried Hillsong for a hot second. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. And so then when we moved back to Chicago, we yeah. just went back to Willow. We went back to Willow because we were unsure of like where we were living. We knew we wanted to move into the city. And for those unfamiliar, Willow's in the suburbs, but we were like, well, we know this. So this is where we're going to go because we wanted to go to church. And it wasn't until, you know, we settled in the city and then we really started like church hopping around to try to find a community that we felt we wanted to belong to. That was a bit closer to us Mm -hmm. in the city. And then we found Soul City and we've been there ever since. Yeah. And we even found Soul City because of a Willow connection that they had had. There were people who worked there and still work there who had been a part of Willow staff years ago. And yeah. so we're like, Oh, there's probably a similar, similar vibe. And turns out there was even more of a vibe that we were looking for than, than even, even Willow, Willow had yeah. at the time. Yeah. Um, and so it was while we were at soul city. And if you, if you have, <laughs> I don't <laughs> think we can do this right now. Lori. <laughs> Um, Why are you the most talkative we will, you've ever been? We will be right back. Maybe <laughs> when our daughter takes a nap. Oh my gosh. Okay, we're back. We're back. Lesson. How many hours later? Many hours later. <laughs> Lesson number one. We will not record this podcast unless Florence is sleeping anymore. Well, yeah. I mean, we did it for a while and she was fine, but she's, she's too very, much of a human now. Yeah, she's talkative and she. We, we think that she heard us talking and wanted to talk. Yeah, which is great. And it's so cute. One day we'll have her actually on the podcast. Oh my gosh, that will be fun. She's not ready right now, I don't yeah. think. Yeah. Um. So we kind of, I believe we left off, if I can remember, we left off with finishing up talking about our own kind of church history. Mm-hmm. And 
if you had engaged or have engaged with Rise and Fall of Mars Hill or Jesus and John Wayne, you notice that Willow Creek is mentioned mm-hmm. uh, several times in both of those things. Um, and that's because it is large, it is influential, and it is yet another large evangelical church who has had sort of a celebrity leader kind of fall from grace, if mm-hmm. you will. Um, for those who are not familiar, in 2018, Bill Hybels, the former founding, pa- well, he is the founding pastor <laughs> and the former pastor yes. of Willow Creek, um, accusations came out regarding sexual harassment, domineering leadership, things like that. It was initially denied by him and the elders, and the church was very much behind him in it. And then some more information came out that it was potentially even more than mm-hmm. harassment, um, more stories and more stories to the point where it was just undeniable um, that this is in fact what happened and these women mm-hmm. that came forward were in fact telling the truth uh Heibel's sort of resigned right before he was going to retire anyway one i believe it was a wednesday night he made a statement yeah still kind of denying the whole thing walked off the stage and never came back yeah um and has not reconciled with the church or hasn't, anything like hasn't that hasn't said a word since yeah um so that and and we kind of share that as that was sort of the capstone to kind of our not involvement with willow because we weren't even really involved at the time but we were still connected yeah and it was a pretty foundational part of our faith growing up yeah and the church that we had the longest relationship still to this day i mean like Mm -hmm. that was the majority of our growing up years and so it's weird. Mm-hmm. I mean, even like listening to the podcast and hearing his voice again, it's like, oh my gosh, like that. I remember hearing that voice Sunday after Sunday yeah. after Sunday after Sunday. And then to not hear it for so long. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think it just makes you take a step back. And I think the hardest thing for me during it was like, here's this voice that I trusted in my life. And he's saying all of these things are not true. And then there's this other side where I'm like, well, it's undeniably true. And these are opposing forces. And then like him to just kind of fall out of the public eye, never say anything, never say sorry, never own up to it. It's just like this really weird, like, wow. At one point, like you were a voice that was a voice of wisdom and a trusted voice in my life. And it's just like weird. Yeah. And maybe the the Willow Creek situation is a great launching point to get into talking about kind of our reactions to a lot of the content mm-hmm. we talked about earlier, because like I said, this broke in 2018 and it feels like that was a window from, you know, 2016 to 2019 or to even 2020 where there was just kind of story after story. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I feel like it's every ex- week. celebrity evangelical pastor, whether it was money, whether it was, you know, sex whether it whatever it was Mm -hmm. there was some kind of misgiving some kind of shady goings on and that that was just like one after the other after the other which feels like it has maybe given birth to To a lot of the podcasts and the books and the movies yeah that we're talking about yeah and i just think that we experience like our first because we're still pretty young you know that our first experience with that was willow Mm -hmm. and like basically we have engaged in that content moving forward through that lens. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess how are you processing through it? Because at this point, like you watched the eyes of Tammy Faye, you're in the midst of listening to rise and fall of Mars Hill. Yeah. How are you, and you can speak to it through multiple different lenses. Like how are you as a former attendee of Willow Creek? processing through it how are you as a woman processing through it how are you as a christian processing through it choose your own adventure i mean literally after tammy faye i was like i don't want to be a christian anymore (laughs) like (laughs) i just like was joking about that with john and i feel like it's something a lot of people our age i'll say millennials in general but like not just millennials but i what i have noticed is a lot of people around us have gone through some serious deconstruction of their faith. And I think the trying to marry Jesus and who you 
know Jesus to be and the Jesus of the Bible with the modern church in America and how oftentimes those things seem like complete opposites, you know, and it's hard. Like, I think it's hard to consider yourself a Christian. I think the name has been tainted, if I'm being honest, in the world we live in. Um, and yeah, it makes you want to distance yourself from that. Like I, I, this is such a bad reputation Mm. and I'm being very negative on it right now. This is a very pessimistic view, but like, I think it's true. Like it's hard to even want to associate with the name Mm. because of, you know, all of these stories and the lack of accountability Mm. and people doing really terrible things and acting in really terrible ways in the name of Jesus. And it's just, I think really discouraging at times, if I'm being honest. Um, and there are times where I'm like, man, I do not even want to, and it's not even like my relationship with Jesus is something that's a, that's the thing. Like I feel good with Jesus. I'm like, yes, Jesus is my savior. Like I believe he died for our sins, all of these things. It's, it's the the humans, you know, (laughs) Um, so I don't know. That was kind of rambling, but I definitely think listening to podcasts and hearing these stories and watching these movies, I'm like, ugh, man, we get it wrong so much Mm. of the time. Yeah. I think there's an, a distinction to be made between people, specifically folk, a lot of folks our age, a lot of friends of ours, us included. There's a distinction to be made between those who are deconstructing their faith Versus those who are deconstructing church. Yes. And those who are deconstructing Christianity. Mm. Versus those who are deconstructing belief. Mm. Because because there's a lot of... When you talk about faith, there's a lot of things yeah. wrapped up in that. Yeah. And I found for me, it's been really helpful to distinguish what am I what am I actually struggling with as mm-hmm. a part of this? Because it's very easy to use a phrase that neither of us like to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. When you say I'm deconstructing my faith and it's just not working i can't i don't want to associate with this or that it's very easy to throw the whole thing out Mm -hmm. rather than saying oh actually i'm on board with a decent amount of this what i'm not on board with is this piece of it is what i'm not on board with is american christianity or the church or a specific section of the church yeah whatever it might be i i but i just want to say a big caveat that's so hard to not do conflate those things yeah well and especially if you've suffered abuse in the name of oh god god wants this from Mm -hmm. you or what which you know you hear story after story and it's disgusting and so it makes sense that people would be like no i want nothing to do with any part of this yeah and we haven't experienced anything like that personally so i think it's easier for us to say like no i'm so good with jesus Mm -hmm. and like my faith hasn't suffered but some of these structures mm-hmm. and churches and, and people in leadership, you know? Yeah. And, you know, in, in the long term, this is me speaking of my own journey and my own experience, not this is me being descriptive of my own experience, not prescriptive for other people. Mm-hmm. When the Hybels news broke, for example, yeah, Bill Hybels had been one of the top three formative voices mm-hmm. in my early walk with God and you know his his book too busy not to pray is where i learned and how i learned to pray mm-hmm. you know there are still things that i can remember reading in that book there are still sermons that he gave that i i remember things that he said mm-hmm. and they formed me and they shaped me and they changed the way that i thought about god they changed the way that i engaged in our relationship and so when and so much of how i thought about Hybels was man he he's he's a good bible teacher he's pretty charismatic but he's such a strong like moral leader the wisdom there was moral wisdom that Mm -hmm. he would pack into every single sermon and so for the thing that kind of tore him down to be a moral failing yeah that threw me yeah and for one of for that to happen and to be uncovered with one of the main formative voices 
in my faith journey that messed me up for a while yeah and i think still is messing me up Mm -hmm. to some degree but on the other end it has been and i hesitate to use the word helpful because that's not the right word so forgive me it has been helpful in i've learned i'm learning to separate my relationship with god from charismatic leaders And that is a really helpful maturation that's happening in me spiritually that, and and unfortunately it had to happen in this way, but I cannot conflate for me. I can't conflate my faith or my faith cannot hang or depend upon a really wise human being Mm -hmm. or a really inspiring, you know, orator or teacher. It it just can't. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's a hard fought lesson for me to be learning, but it is one that I slowly am learning. Yeah. I have another question for you mm-hmm. that I've been turning over as I've been listening to, you know, these podcasts or watching these movies or reading these books. When it comes to this sort of movement of like airing the church's laundry or, you know, opening up the closet so people can see all the skeletons, do you think these books and podcasts and these exposés do you find them helpful or hurtful to folks like you and me who grew up in it i think it's helpful because i think we it all needs to be exposed and brought to light Hmm. i don't think that means like church should go away but all of the sin that's happening, the abuse of power that's happening, the abuse that's happening, like it needs to be brought to light. Mm. And if this is the way it's going to be done, it's the way it's going to be done. And I think that's a bigger conversation on cancel culture. And I don't necessarily believe in cancel culture a hundred percent, but I do, I do appreciate the reckoning that's happening. Like Mm. these mostly white men in power cannot continue to do this and also a lot of them have built themselves an empire and have built themselves a reputation so when they fall that's a natural consequence like people know who bill hybels is people know who carl lentz is and that's just part of the territory that comes with you being a celebrity pastor Mm. yeah that's very well said i like the the term you use of of reckoning because that that feels right and the the idea of i foolishly didn't even think about how cancel culture would creep its way into our conversation here but it absolutely does and should and so i guess my question for you is um what feels appropriate in terms of a a reckoning for those types of things and uh, so, so i guess my question is like okay, I've, I've read Jesus and John Wayne, or I've, I've listened to Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Um, are those things the be-all, end-all of it? Or no. what's, what's, what's after it, I guess, is the question. I mean, I think that's what's hard about cancel culture, because do I believe people deserve to be, quote-unquote, canceled for wrongdoings in their life? To a certain extent, yes, because if you're acting in this certain way, do I think you should be a pastor of a church? No. Hmm. But at the same time, I believe in grace and I believe in forgiveness. Hmm. So I feel like you can hold both of those things, you know, in two hands at the same time, which is not the way of our world currently. It's either like you're a terrible person that deserves to be canceled or you're perfect and you've never done anything wrong. Mm -hmm. I believe there's a middle ground, but to your point, no, I I mean, the rise and fall of Mars Hill like is an interesting listen for me. I didn't go to Mars Hill. I know nobody that went to Mars Hill. Like I'm so removed from it. So like mm-hmm. I haven't done my own research. I haven't heard people's experiences and you know, clearly that's one take on it. Mm. But I do think I mean, I've been really happy with how he has reported on it cuz I do think he talks about both the good and the bad, you mm-hmm. know, and I think I think that's the hardest thing about this whole conversation is like you talking about how Bill was such a influential part of your life. And I know so many people who get very angry when we talk bad about Bill Hybels yeah. or even like make a joke about Bill Hybels and people get up in arms mm-hmm. because they're like, do you know how how much he meant to me and my family? Yeah. Do you know? 
And it's like, it's so hard because yes, he did do a lot of good, mm-hmm. but he also did a lot of bad. Yeah. And does the bad cancel out the good? I don't know. That's a conversation. Is, yeah. Is that even the game that we should be playing yeah. with it? But then I I don't know. At, at the same time, I hear these people like justifying things for Bill. Yeah. And I'm like, no, he did wrong. Like mm-hmm. he, yes, he did good, but he also did wrong. And yeah. that, I don't know. It's, I feel like I'm rambling at this point and I don't really have an answer to that question, but I think there's a lot of gray mm-hmm. and our world likes to be very black and white, but that's just not the reality. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the, the skepticism that I have around it, honestly, is, do, am I walking away from something like, pardon me. I don't think the point, I know the point of something like Jesus and John Wayne is not for you to walk away after and feel like my faith has been strengthened or I feel spiritually formed by understanding this truth and this history. I know that's actually not the the point of the book. For something like Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, I don't know if that's the point of it or not. You know? I mean, I haven't listened to the whole thing, so I don't really know where he lands the plane, but I do think... I do think it's the hard work of like, not like a cautionary tale, but like what wisdom can we glean from this? Like, especially because you work in a church, like, am I seeing any of these tendencies in myself? Yeah. Do I feel entitled to certain things? Am I, you know, using any sort of power that I may have when I'm on stage to further the kingdom of God? Mm -hmm. Am I, you know what I mean? Like, which stuff I know that you always check in with, you take that responsibility very seriously, but I do think it's like supposed to be okay. Take a look inward. Yeah, and and, and I guess that's that's where my skepticism comes in. Of of is are, is are all these pieces of content actually inciting that type of reflection in people who who would need to do it, or is it more just further isolating those folks and making them more and more defensive? Yeah, I don't know. Potentially. And, and we can't necessarily know that. It's just that's the skeptical part of me. Um, or do most folks like us who, you know, at one point were maybe teetering on the fence of church or teetering on the fence of Christianity hear that and that's all they need to hear or read to say I'm absolutely done with this. Um, yeah, but is that the fault of the podcast or no. is that the fault of the people that did the actions that the podcast is about? Right. Right. That's you a, know? that's a great point. That's a great point. Okay. Here's something that I think is interesting in the eyes of Tammy Faye a conversation that we had after was like the way that they portrayed Tammy Faye Baker and how mm. she really is portrayed as a good person who loves people and loves God throughout the whole show or movie. And just this idea that like you can be a a woman who loves God and who is trying to further his kingdom and still do wrong Hmm. and or do harm or do harm and let things slide or not, you know, and a a lot of the stuff too, like she wasn't even aware of based off of the movie Mm -hmm. and you know, is she still responsible for that? Yeah. And that was a really interesting conversation that we had because I just think, I mean, I think that's a more general leadership conversation. Like as the leader, how much are you responsible for? And I just think there's another level of responsibility when you're leading in a church. Mm -hmm. Well, and there were a lot of really thoughtful, kind Jesus and people loving people that worked at Mars Hill, mm-hmm. you know, and worked very closely with, with Mark Driscoll and, yeah. you know, that there's, um, and to what degree are they or Tammy Faye or whoever complicit in the wrongs that were done. Yep. And I think that's not necessarily for me or you to say, that's probably as for a court to say if necessary and more than that or just as equal to that that's for them to wrestle with kind of in their own minds and hearts um yeah i think that's something that the the christianity today podcast about mars hill at least 
like says that it's trying to do is like hold the both mm-hmm. and of there's a lot of trouble there's a lot of messed up stuff going on here and still through all of that god against all odds is doing good work through it mm-hmm. well yeah and he talks a lot about like there are so many people that had wonderful experiences going mm-hmm. to that church mm-hmm. you know and they raised their families there and they baptized people there and mm. got married and had kids and all stuff and it's yeah it's holding both of those in in two hands i think also something that an overarching theme that i am coming out of a lot of this content with is like are we done with the mega church oh that's a, that's an interesting question and i think personally i don't know that i would ever be a part of another mega church like define what you mean by mega like size wise multi-campus like big church that you know you don't really know everybody there you don't have a relationship with the pastor Mm -hmm. you are one of like you know thousands Mm -hmm. i i just don't see that for our family moving forward yeah i guess that kind of leads to a next question How, how are you engaging in church or with faith how has it changed it and it sounds like craving something more with a little less power structure a little less power structure a little less polish like Mm -hmm. i i think i'm just craving the like community aspect of church Mm -hmm. and i think that has to do with just like our personal life circumstances and we have had a lot of friends move away and um I don't know. Like I'm just craving a little bit more of like when you say your church family, it's people that you can call because you know, your kids are sick and you need help or Mm -hmm. people that are going to drop off meals for you. And, and I think also in just the stage of life we're in, like we need a little extra help these days. Mm -hmm. Like we have a baby, like things are busy, Mm -hmm. you know, we're not as like carefree as we were. So the people in our life that have stepped up and dropped off meals or offered to help in this way or that way, or, you know, sent $5 for coffee or something like that. Like that has really meant so much to me in this Mm. season. And so I think, uh, what was your question? Am I going completely off? (laughs) No, I was asking how, how it's changed or affected your relationship to church or what you desire out of it or what you're looking for, even if you want to be a part of it or not anymore. So I think, I think part of that is like the life stage we're in because we went through a pretty significant transition. Mm -hmm. And then the other part is like, yeah, it just feels like this big, like powerful, like putting this celebrity pastor on a pedestal and like seeking higher numbers and higher numbers and more reach and more reach. I'm just like, I am so disinterested in it. Hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, obviously I filter this in multiple ways, but two main ways as just a, a person and a follower of Jesus myself and, and a church goer, you know, but I also filter it as a pastor and, as a you know we talk about a lot of these a lot of these churches and a lot of these stories pretty much every single one of them we talked about were built on the back of a charismatic stage persona yeah and i am one of the stage personas at our church Mm -hmm. you know i'm not the main person and we actually kind of work hard to work against that idea that there is a main person And, and i think that engaging with a lot of these stories and a lot of this history, one of many things that it has done for me is really bolster that conviction that I am not interested in being a part of or even attending a community that is built off the back of one charismatic Mm -hmm. person on a stage. And I also recognize that like there's a delicate balance there because my job not only and not only like my job of what i get paid to do but part of i believe the calling that god has placed on my life is to use the gifts he has yeah. given me without you know shame or without mm-hmm. fear and part of that is getting on a stage and hopefully in a you know charismatic you know and i use this word in an attractive or in in a inviting way yeah 
to showcase the goodness of God. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want to like hold that back or to use a Christian term, push, put that under a bushel. Yeah. However, I also want to make sure that that talent or that persona, whether it's in me or anyone else who's up there at the church that I go to, that that's not lifted above or that doesn't become the main attraction. And that is a crazy tension to walk. Mm -hmm. And I recognize that is a tension that is not going to be shared or felt by the majority of people who listen to this podcast because they're not necessarily in that position. But I, I just think that a lot of where those problems come from is human beings are not good at dealing with power. Yeah. They're just not, they're just not good at it. It's like, why, why are so many of these big pastors of churches like falling from grace? It's because we're not good at dealing with power. And also like, it's really easy for sin to creep in when Mm -hmm. you're put in a position of power and there's no checks and balances and stuff. I think that's just proving the human condition, you know? Okay. I have kind of a final question unless you have. No, the only other thing is I also think I, it would, I feel like I can't continue this podcast if I'm not going to say that the, complete hypocrisy of these churches to shun certain members or certain people, certain types of people, certain groups of people. And for all of this sin to be going on in the background, it just fires me up so much. And, you know, I, I, I lie in the minority group of women. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that fires me up. And I know there are other minority groups who have been shunned by the church, who have been shunned by the church in one way or another. And I just, I don't even know what to say. I just feel like I want to address that, that that's something we didn't really touch on in this podcast, but something we are very well aware of Mm -hmm. and something I personally feel like I do not have patience for anymore Mm. in the church community for us to say, oh, you, you know, because of the way that you live or because of this or because of that or because of your gender or whatever, you are less than or what, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And then for all of this to be going on in the background, like that is just not the heart of God. Yeah. Well, and a lot of this corruption and a lot of this wrongdoing that we're talking about is done at the expense mm-hmm. of those minority groups, yep. whatever, or whoever they may be. Um, that's just the, the reality of it, um, which is, sad and awful and and i think i think reckoning is is the right yeah call that's why i'm like i'm here for it let's go like because i think ultimately at the end of it this is gonna suck Mm. because the structures that mostly white men have built are flawed yeah and it's gonna hurt for them to come down and there's gonna be some you know hurt feelings there's gonna be really hard times but like at the end of it i do believe what can come on the other side of it is worth going through mm. all of it. Yeah. And and I guess I'm just so wildly naive because yeah, there is part of me where I'm like, Oh man, why, why do we have to have these exposés and all this stuff and all this, you know? Um, and I, but I ultimately agree with you that I think a lot of it is necessary, yeah. you know, especially when there is corruption to bring about the truth is always necessary. Mm-hmm. And I, maybe I'm just so naive. I'm like, man, shouldn't, if if churches, and specifically the Christians who run these churches, believe and follow the way that they say they should, that they follow, shouldn't they actually be the ones leading this by coming out with repentance before the podcast even drops? Agreed, John. But then why would they all have PR departments and <laughs> PR people and... You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, yes, in a perfect world, yes. Yeah, it's just, um, yeah, you would, you would, I, I would hope that if anything, if I, when I do wrong, that the, the, within our family, for example, that like Florence doesn't need to make a podcast in order for me <laughs> to like come to you and her about it. She was making a podcast this morning. I'll tell you that much. Like, let's lead the way with confession. Yeah. Let's lead the way mm-hmm. with repentance. I agree. Let's not wait for something to go wrong. Mm-hmm. Let's start by acknowledging it. And as someone who works at a church, I know that's really, really hard to yeah. figure out the right way to do that. But it's worth it. It's yeah. worth figuring out how 
and this goes far beyond, you know, religious wrongdoing. This goes to racism in our country. This goes through homophobia, so many things in our country of what would it look like for those who have been oppressors or those who have been complicit in oppression? Mm -hmm. What would it look like for them to actually like just step out and begin to lead the way in the conversation? Yeah towards reconciliation or at least be an equal part in that conversation agreed and i think that's part of where cancel culture is flawed is yeah, it burns that bridge it burns that bridge and that's where i believe the grace component comes in because i do believe like you can do wrong in your past and you can see that that's wrong and apologize it apologize for it and get forgiveness i do mm. believe that um but I don't think that's the world we live in, unfortunately. No, I don't. I don't think so. Like, I was, like I said, very naive yeah. to to even wish or hope for that, but still pray for it. My my kind of final question, I guess, to wrap this all up is, um, for you, where does God fit into all of this? Do do you think, or for you, has because this is a conversation specifically around the podcast, the movies that, that are mm-hmm. bringing this stuff into the light has engaging with this type of content drawn you closer to God, made you want to run farther away from God, kept you in the same place. Yeah. I think like I said earlier, like my problem is not with God. It's with the people that use his name to do bad things. Mm. And so I don't know in a way I think like exposing the sin and like getting it out in the open and and change from it is glorifying to God Mm. because I think nothing breaks God's heart more than like seeing this turmoil within his church that's supposed to be Mm -hmm. this light in a dark world and a lot of what has been in the news of church in the past couple years has not been a light in, in a dark mm. world. It's been the opposite. Yeah. And so, yeah, I guess for me, like I said, I don't really think it affects my personal relationship with God. Um, I think when everything happened with Willow, it did shake us both pretty significantly. Mm-hmm. And that was a while ago at this point. So, you know, we're kind of coming at it from the other side of that, but, but that was a personal experience that we had versus just like watching a movie, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know Mm. you, I guess I feel in this moment, very lucky that my, that I have a picture or an idea of God outside of yeah. what we are seeing talked about in these stories. Mm-hmm. Because I think for the vast majority of people, the two are one and the same. That's the scary part. And that is really, really sad. And a lot of the leaders who were involved in those stories, either explicitly or implicitly, were asking people to conflate them mm-hmm. or their movement and God. They were asking them to think of them as the same thing. So, of course, when one falls, the other's going to fall as well, which yeah. is that part is really sad to me. And I feel like we are really, really lucky that for, for whatever reason, whether it was, you know, I think for me, it was a lot of like the close personal relationships I had, even in my time at these mega movements. I had a lot of close personal relationships with people who were showing me and kind of, to use a Christian word, discipling me through mm-hmm. an image of God that was a little bit or a picture of God that was a little bit different than that Mm -hmm. and definitely different than the behavior that we've been talking about yeah, and the issues we've been talking about. But I think we are an exception, a lucky exception rather than the rule. Um, And I, and I long for more people to have a, a picture of who God is and God's character that is not conflated with those types of stories. Yeah, I agree. Dang. I know I'm feeling like self-consciously being this conversation because I just feel like there's so much to it. Oh, there's so And we've like so barely complex. scratched the surface and I just don't want anybody to think that this is like our be all end all. No. Opinions on the matter. Like no. this is just a 
a conversation. Hopefully people will see it as a nuanced conversation that isn't Mm -hmm. meant to be. This is exactly what we believe, you know? Yeah. Because I think a lot of it we're still working through. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think a lot of people are working through it, Mm -hmm. you know, and figuring out, I think the big question at the end of the day that I, I know I'm wrestling with, and I know a lot of people who are wrestling with is in light of all of these stories and in light of my past existing within those systems. And those are the systems that gave me a faith in light of all of that. Is there still a place for me? Mm -hmm. Do I still want to have a place in the church, in Christianity with God? Um, and hopefully this is a conversation that helps people wrestle with that question in a thoughtful way. Yeah. And I think if you are feeling like you're in a season of deconstruction or you find yourself questioning some of the structures that you've been a part of or questioning God because of some of the structures you've been a part of, like just know that that's okay. And I think like, like the reckoning that's happening with all of these institutions, I think there is a, a a more beautiful picture on the other side of them. That can be the case for you too. So Hmm. I don't think we're meant to just push those feelings aside or not think through things or, you know, dive deep into a deconstruction period or things like that. I think those are okay. And I do believe that God has a more beautiful picture on the other side of it. And so I would encourage you to lean into that. I know it's scary and I think surround yourself with people who can have these nuanced conversations with you Mm -hmm. and are going to love you through some of this time of questioning. Pastor Aaron, take us home. Yeah. I'm just a pastor. Well done. Um, Hey, you're a great mom. Thank you. You're a great dad. Is that your something nice? Yeah. Mine too. Awesome. All right. We'll see you all next time. Love you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Say something nice.